Yes, welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animation. I'm taking a back seat on this episode. So, it's over to you, Peter. Thanks, Animation. So, our guest on this episode is Dan Tompkins. He's been the voice of quite a few bands in the past 10 years, most notably Tesseract. I'd recorded this as a special episode for Fistful of Metal, which is a monthly show I host on BoxOut.fm as part of their India COVID-19 fundraiser. For those keeping track, this is Dan's second appearance on the Horns Up podcast. A couple of years ago, Animesh and I spoke to him when he released his first solo album, Castles. And that was all the way back on episode number 16. So on this episode, I decided to catch up with Dan on what he's been up to since then with Tesseract, his solo project, and also White Moth Black Butterfly, which is his band with Keshav Dar of Sky Harbor, Randy Slaw, and also Gordon Turner, who will release their third album, The Cost of Dreaming, this Sunday. So let's get into my chat with Dan Tompkins. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much uh, for joining us on this very special episode of Fistful of Metal. I mean, oh, thank you for having me. I've been following you for a while and I just realized like it's been over a decade now. Uh, but this past year, you know, compared to a lot of musicians, you've been quite busy. And uh, like I mentioned, you know, you've been doing live streams on Twitch uh, throughout the year. In December last year, you released Ruins, which was a rework of your solo album, Castles. So if, if I could, how's the past year been for you? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I am. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of don't like to say this because I know everyone's had a difficult time and we have had a difficult time. You know, we've got, um, I, I live here in the UK with my wife and my two kids. So we have had, we have had struggles where, you know, we're locked down. We've, we're in one household for a long time. We've felt the same stresses that everybody else has to a degree. We have been lucky in the fact that members of the family have had COVID-19. Um, and we've been okay. You know, we, you know, it hasn't been too serious for us, but we know people that have really suffered with it. So we empathize. And that's why I really don't like to say that I've been okay. You know, I've been one of the lucky ones where work's been good. I've managed to stream quite a lot and, um, you know, now becoming a partner with Twitch and, um, and becoming a professional streamer seems a bit of an odd thing to say, but it has been a lifeline in some respects. Uh, on the other hand as well, um, it was also very good timing. Like the first lockdown happened on the back end of the Sonder campaign. So we'd been touring for nearly two and a half years on the back of that record. And we were going back into downtime in order to record another album. So for us, you know, it didn't disrupt the touring um, cycle at all. We had, we had an opportunity to tour South America um, and that got pushed back a couple of times and it has been pushed back yet again. But that wasn't really part of the touring campaign as such. It was more of an opportunity. So we were happy to kind of like, you know, just let that run its course. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen. It hasn't happened. And I'm sure lots of other artists have had similar struggles. But like I say, yeah, I've family's been fine health wise and I've been active online. So I'm writing lots of music. Yeah, I, I, I must say as a fan, I'm like totally enjoying kind of being, you know, on a fly on a wall and just kind of watching the entire creative process and go because and you kind of have opened it up to fans, right? You're like writing it live. People are commenting in there. So it's, it's 
it's like you know being in the jam room if i may say uh with you but i i must talk about ruins because uh i still remember the first time i heard the gift which is the first single from ruins and features matt heafy from trivium on the track i mean for those of you who've heard castles right this is heavy stuff so what kind of prompted that shift you know sonically like just going way heavier well we were uh, let's say we um <laughs> after castles was re- was released um i started to record new music almost instantly and i was always going to go in that direction um the reason why i designed castles the way it was and i and, and promoted it visually the way i did was to be very, was, was to be different was to kind of find a new excitement within music again so the solo aspect of what i do now is a is a really important creative outlet for me because i did get to a point where i realized that in the last 10 years i've released something close to 16 albums which is an immense amount of wow that's a lot of body of work and yeah. i did i did start to become kind of drained i mean i look on spotify and my label have created a playlist of all the songs that i've been a part of that are available on on digital uh, streaming services and there's there's nearly 12 hours of music wow. and, and and not all the albums are on there so wow. and i and i was starting to become a little bit drained creatively i'll be very honest <laughs> like i kind of felt like i'd spoken about all the things that i wanted to speak about so i needed a new level of excitement and part of that was doing the castles so why why I wanted to do is the next record i wanted to do so i wanted to push the boundary i wanted to do new things i'd not done before so i picked up the guitar um and i managed to get an endorsement with od guitars who are incredible and omer from od wanted to work with me and i told him about the pursuit of wanting to do something that i hadn't done before and uh, i thought it'd be quite exciting for the fans to see me playing the guitar and singing because people have only ever seen me sing you know jam on the guitar and i'm not that great don't get me wrong i like to riff Um, so and I'm good friends with Paul Ortiz from Chimpanzee and I you know we we've been working together on the Zeta um material which you might not be familiar with you might be familiar with it's synthwave uh, we released an album nearly just over 3 years ago now quite well it was all DIY and we we enjoyed it just just as a project to kind of you know as a friendship thing and as a creative outlet but um he's an amazing guitarist and an amazing songwriter and I said to him would you would you help me write some new songs so we started to write for the second album when we went into the lockdown the first one i started to stream and i was live streaming to people and what i thought would would be good before i transitioned fully into rock and metal again as a solo artist because the first record was kind of ele- electronic rock and pop if you like yeah um and i wanted to t- to transition to heavier stuff so to kind of bridge that gap i thought it would be a nice thing to rework the first album with paul who i'm working with on the follow up album anyway as a way to kind of like introduce people to that sound before i go well over the mark is <laughs> really being adventurous with it so awesome. in essence a long long way around that story yeah i started working with paul from chimpanzee yeah and he's a tremendous guitarist i mean i still remember the first uh chim spanner ep that he put out wow that was like there was something else Definitely. but you know wait since we're talking about ruins let's at this point play a track from ruins which one sure. uh, would you like us to play 
Do you know what? I think I'd like you to play one of the heavier songs. Um, right. and that is going to be probably Tyrant. All right. And why Tyrant? It's one of those songs that I feel exhibits a whole range of characteristics. There's screaming in there. There's heavy guitars. There's soft ele- uh, electronic sections. It's a very diverse track. Starts off slow, but the ending is quite big. So you've got to go with it. Awesome. So let's queue up uh, Tyrants. Follow my desire As I'm calculating my
All right. So that was Tyrants from Dan Tompkins' solo release, Ruins, which was out in December. And we're talking to the man himself, uh, Dan. So, you know, Dan, like I said earlier, right? I've been following you for quite some time. And especially for those in India, you're not a stranger, right? Because sure. you, you guys yeah. were, I think it was 2007 when you... Uh, toured uh, India with Tesseract? Oh, no, I think it was actually 2009. Yeah, so that was 2009 when you uh, toured uh, India with Tesseract. And, you know, your first album, One, turns 10 this year. Let, let's get an immediate reaction out of you. How does it feel that the album's 10 years now? Existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? what? Where did that decade go? <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it seems like yesterday you were there. But then I think I think back and like you say, um, we aren't a stranger to India at all. Me personally, with Sky Harbor and with with Tesseract, I'm pretty sure I've toured seven times in India. Wow. And that's that's pretty that's pretty good going. Uh, but yeah, I mean ten years, man. I do struggle to comprehend that a little bit. Um <laughs> It does worry me as well. So like, <laughs> I want to do more. I want to do much, much more, you know, and um, yeah. I feel like we have come a long way since that album, but I do appreciate that um, a lot of fans in India have, it, you know, that album is, um, people have a soft spot for that album, I think. Yeah, true, true. But if I have to take you back and if I may put you on the spot, looking back at that album, what, what are your favorite memories? I mean, is it from the recording or is it like touring in support of it? Because that's when I feel really yeah. Tesseract kind of broke out, right? If I may say. It's a weird experience because I I just left um, a previous band to join Tesseract. And my audition process for Tesseract was what well, it consisted of me in a very basic room with no soundproofing with an SM58 recording a top line to Origin. Um, in in Cubase, in like the free version of Cubase before I really got into music production. And it sounded dreadful. But wow. they absolutely loved it. And they were like, I only sent them a 20 second clip and they were like, wow, yeah, yeah, you're in. Let's, let's go. I need you to, or we need you to write the vocals to a song within the next day. Wow. Because it's got to go live. We need it to happen. This, we're, we're this close. So that's how Lament happened. I recorded okay. that in like, a day and um, we then released it <clears throat> very very shortly after and um, I think my favorite part of that era was was the touring because we got to do a lot of things for the first time that we'd never done before in terms of you know getting in a van together and touring the world. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a crazy experience and, and we grafted hard because we didn't have it comfortable at all. Like all the all the trips and excursions were were costly. We weren't making a lot of money from doing it. We were doing it for the love of music. And we saw that we'd 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 had a door that opened. We wanted we just signed to Century Media Records. None of us really knew what it meant to be yeah. on the road. None half of us didn't know what a record deal consisted of. We didn't understand music business, the back end of it, publishing anything like that. So we were very young and naive, even though at that point we were, what, 26, 28? Wow. Yeah. So 
we were kind of late bloomers in a way, but still very inexperienced, but we loved it. And um, like, like I say, like coming to India for the first time and seeing the hordes of people like out of nowhere, you know, we'd gone from playing shows in the UK in small pubs to like 150 people. And all of a sudden we're playing great Indian rock festival to yeah. how many people I can't even remember just a sea of heads and but people over there. You guys loved the record. Like everyone was like head banging. They knew the words yet. We toured other places like North America and we were fresh. We were new. People hadn't really heard us, but it was this weird scenario where all of a sudden we tore it tore India, but yet everybody is so into it. Everyone knows the record. If I may ask you, and again, I'm putting you on the spot. Do you have a record of how many countries or gigs you all did in support of one? I honestly couldn't say. I couldn't say. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, because I, I, I think between one and the next album, you guys really toured. And as someone who, because this was like the early days of like Facebook also being popular. So as someone following you on on facebook and just seeing the tours and i think yeah. one one thing happened is and i think it was james uh, your guitarist montiet who had put up a picture uh, this was i think it was tesseract periphery because that's the time i think those lineups also kind of made sense uh, yeah. in there so i think that's where everyone exploded i mean look at web it was a really exciting time because it was uh, it was like the boom of gent yeah, it yeah. was beginning. And there was such an excitement around that style of music. And, you know, actually looking back, I didn't really realize or, or understand the value of that, I think. And I think over the years, I've tried to distance myself from that, um, not necessarily from, from the community of people that follow Jen, but just I feel like <laughs> within one there was an there was an element of expectation in terms of what we would do. So there was screaming on it. There was, you know, heavy riffs, chunky riffs, and obviously Ackles' signature clean tones, which were very identifiable. Yeah, people reson that resonated with people. But we very very quickly wanted to almost step away from that because we got a foot in the door. But then we wanted to express ourselves even further, and I think we had a bigger vision. So with the altered state stuff with the next album, like I was already demoing vocals for that before I actually left, which is yeah. a very kind of difficult point in time for us all. Uh, but that's obviously when I started to do other things like joining Sky Harbor as well. And Sky Harbor happened on the back of, I don't know how that happened. It wasn't meant to, it was just, a, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a guest feature on a few songs. Yeah. Then it, then it ended up turning into an album because I loved Keshav and what he was doing. And all of a sudden we're getting offers to support Guns N' Roses in India and all sorts of things. And we're like, <laughs> this is kind of happening. We're not, we're very unprepared, but let's see what happens with it. And then it tended up being into a band and we toured and, and then I went <laughs> and I rejoined Tesseract and just like th that, this last 10 years has been an absolute roller coaster. I'll be honest. There's been so many highs, incredible highs, ridiculous lows. I've hit the floor so many times, but then bounced back again with other opportunities that have happened. I would say it's been the most active, the most varied, the most bizarre time of my life because all, all the time I've had a family back home, I've, been, I've, had, I've had two children, all, all the commitments you can think of as a regular person. But on the, I've got this other kind of like personality, <laughs> just experiencing this world of rock and metal and seeing all the ins and outs of it. Just, I you know what, the, 
sometimes my ego gets the better of me because I kind of feel like I have had quite an interesting career so far. And, and having come from the world that I did before I even entered into music, it was such a contrast in my previous occupation to get to where I am. And it, it would make quite an interesting story. So who knows, maybe in the future, I might tell that story for what it's worth, for who would, would be interested. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been very, it's, been, it's been, been very diverse, to say the least. All right. So since we talked about uh, one, why don't we play a track from one? And of course, I'm not saying concealing okay. fate, because that will be like <laughs> yeah. half, half the show. If, if, if you're happy to play it, we'll play um, Origin, because that was the first song that I demoed for. And I got, and awesome. I got the job in Tesseract, so why not? Let's cue in uh, Tesseract Origin.
So yeah, uh, that was uh, Tesseract uh, origin. All right. So you know, Dan, I'm so glad you kind of talked about uh, Sky Harbor because it was actually on your trip to India where you met uh, Keshav, and I've heard Keshav's side of the story of how it it kind of went, but. Take me back to that moment. I mean, I know you met Keshav uh, on the Great India Rock tour of yeah. India, but yeah. what was it like when you first heard some of the scratch demos that uh, Keshav told you? Which is at that time it was not even Sky Harbor because I remember it as Hydrogent. That's what yeah. it was called back then. It was. <laughs> I tried to see through the name. <laughs> Hydrogent was kind of I don't know. I was I was wasn't too sure about the name. But no, um, the first time I met him was yeah when we came to India to do the Great India Rock Festival, and um, it was a, it was a a chance meeting, I guess. Uh, we were waiting for a taxi in a in a in a car park, in a multi-story car park, and I think it was um, as we were due to leave and fly back, if I'm correct. I don't I don't think it was when we arrived. No, it wasn't. And um, yeah, somebody just introduced me to this guy all by himself that looked very nervous, that looked you know, very shy and slightly insecure. Stood stood there with his, yeah, just expecting something to happen. He wasn't sure whether to come and speak to me. And somebody said, oh, this is, I really want to introduce you to Keshav. He's a big fan. And I just went over and had a conversation and said hi. And it, there was nothing discussed about music at that point. It was more of a, just a introduction. Never thought anything more of it, really. And then went, went home. And then um, I think we started to, back and forth on MySpace, actually. And I think, yeah. said, hey, this is me. We met in, you know, this is some of the stuff I'm doing. And um, I listened to it and I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's actually really good. That's very, very nice. And um, I think it, there was a guest feature spoken about and I was really up for it because at the time I was experimenting with my own voice, different styles, and I was up for collaborations. You know, I was ready. I'd, I just left uh, my career to do music and become full-time. And I was actually still in Tesseract at the time. And um, yeah, started demoing. And I can't really say much more. The music was fantastic. We ended up, uh, you know, putting a whole album together. To start with, it was just one song. <laughs> and then he'd send me another idea. And I was like, that's nice. Do you want to do another one? I was like, yeah, let's, let's do another guest feature. And it turned into an album. And, yeah. um, you know, the relationship blossomed. I'd, I learned how, you know, how amazing the guy is. He's got a heart of gold. He's a really nice, nice guy. Very genuine, very down to earth and also very talented and creative. He's got a great ear for music. And um, nowadays, he, you know, he's still doing Sky Arbor. He's working within the music industry in India and he's very renowned now. And he's, he's, he's earned a reputation on the back of that and credit to him because he's an excellent musician. I, I, I totally understand because I still remember meeting Keshav and I think this is when he had just recorded all the stuff with you and he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And actually this interview is online uh, somewhere where we're just talking, you know, about Sky Harbor and stuff. And at that time he actually wanted to put the uh, album download for free. And I was like, Oh, cool. I, in fact, I was the one that persuaded him to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so, dude, you got an album here. We've got an album. Why don't we uh, approach a friend of mine who was running Basic Records at the time called Nathan, Nathan Phillips, Barley, as people know him. And um, he heard it. And again, there was the boom happening. It fit. It was primed to be, you know, released to people. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, we just created an album and there it went. 
Yeah, so it's crazy because that video is still online on YouTube if you search for it. And somebody commented, uh, I was reading recently, that this guy had no idea what's going to happen next. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. I, th- no I, I don't think even Keshav had any idea of <laughs> no, no. where things were fair, coming. I don't, I don't think any of us really did because from, from my perspective, um, even though I'd recorded the album with him, it was still a feature. It was never meant to go live. It was because the the prospect of that was just like insane. Like I live in the UK, you live in India, you've involved a drummer that lives in America. Yeah. Like how logistically we're not making any money from this. We haven't got any money. We haven't got a record label behind us. The thought of that ever going live was just like, it was nowhere to be seen. Right. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. So for for me and I'm going to kind of impose in play my favorite uh, Sky Harbor track. And it's not just that you recorded the first album, but you also had a second album in there. Mm -hmm. And here's when I'm getting it personal. I still remember getting the press release uh, from Hold Tight uh, PR. They they were doing uh, the PR for Basic then. And they sent me this track called Evolution. And I think at that Mm -hmm. point, everyone was like, okay, this is a game changer. Yeah, because everyone knew at that point that Sky Harbor had gone beyond like a bedroom project. It had gone behind, uh, you know, something that just Keisha was doing. And I think it was the production. It was everything that just yeah. got elevated. So, yeah, I that was my take. But I have to play Sky Harbor Evolution at this point. Do it.
that was sky harbor evolution one of my favorite uh, sky harbor tracks something i still go back and listen to uh, from time to time but dan you're somebody you know in the past year i'm sure you've been listening to a lot of different kind of music and bands because it's not just rock and metal uh, that you're into um, i want to like if if you had the chance and though i'm giving you the floor to kind of recommend a few artists that you've been listening to lately Okay. Would you want to give a shout out or even oh, a, wow. a player track from someone? That's a that's a great that's a great one. You've put me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I'll recommend a track by an artist called Active Child, just because <laughs> I've been so heavily influenced by this particular artist um, that I feel it's worth a mention. Um, this one particular song became my warm up song for a whole album campaign. It's all I sang because. it exercised my voice in such a way that i it was fully open like head voice chest voice me it's such an amazing artist um go check it out it is not what you'd expect it is contemporary pop but is what right. also inspired a lot of the white moth black butterfly material as well yeah so the track i would recommend would be play hanging on but the album i think everyone should go check out you are all i see from 2011 it's an amazing record um the singer is called Patrick uh Grossi he's from New York and yeah the song's called hanging on check it out
that was a recommendation from Dan Tompkins active child uh, hanging on now dan you mentioned white moth black butterfly and it's your band with keshav dar from sky harbor you've got randy slaw and also jordan turner and last month you'll released a new single now one thing i want to specifically ask you is the press note that came with it mentioned an evolved sound so for those who are familiar with white moth black butterfly what can they expect of the new album <laughs> there are still tinges of a tone there are characteristics from the previous album um, and we're very, we we were sorry we were very conscious of that um when writing the album because i feel like we touched on something very special there was a lot of natural um organic orchestration within the album and it felt very natural but this time we wanted to um be a little bit more creative um be obviously being in lockdown as well that causes a lot of issues with regards to what we could achieve and who we could involve on the album so a lot of it was done diy in our in our studios on in the various different places that we live um it's a little bit more modern sounding some of the songs are like, I'll, i'll say like probably half of the album um is more electronic uh rather than um natural sounding but there are still songs on there which are quite progressive and sweeping i would say that i, w- I would still lay i would still label the genre that we lie under as contemporary pop or contemporary right. prog if you like pop prog we we have actually been given that that label recently when you listen to the album you may not <laughs> feel that we sit in that category but that's how we've categorized ourselves <laughs> All right so you know since you touched upon it how different was it i mean considering that you know anyway uh, prior to this you were all separated and i believe you did also a few live shows a few years ago but yeah did, did that kind of whole thing prepare you in a way for making this album while under lockdown or you know the considering the thing is the thing is is like we've all ever since joining tesseract everything's been diy we've all had to learn music production we've learned we've had to learn how to produce our own instruments so and i think that 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 comes down to budget it it comes down it could it obviously comes down to the, the level of financial support that we've all had in these various projects and you have to remember that even though i might have had some level of reputation within tesseract i have created new projects outside of tesseract and that reputation has helped but essentially i've created new projects from the ground up everywhere yeah. planted seeds and watched them grow over the last 10 years and and they have grown um but we have always remained diy there's there's, there's no question about it and obviously living on three different continents it's not going to work any other way so the way that we the first time so when we worked on a tone there was a lot of file sharing there was a lot of um messy conversations over whatsapp we didn't really have a structure for how to communicate and be organized with file sharing we just threw it all in there <laughs> just tried <laughs> to make it work and it did you know we got there but this time around we hardly spoke it was that quick it was that easy to do like randy mac and keshav were all just sharing ideas we had an organized folder i would just extract an mp3 put it into cubase record an idea send it to jordan jordan would do the same we'd back and forth 
there'd be some some songs were written without even any communication like wow. i would write i would write a verse and i'd send jordan a whatsapp message saying have a look at that see what you can do a couple of days later got the idea from jordan put it in the song <laughs> it's wow. literally so fluent so relaxed so there's no ego that's the problem <laughs> well, sorry that is that is the success of us. I think we, we're very level-headed. We're very, um, very down-to-earth people. But we, but we love what we do. We're very passionate about it. And also very relaxed. There are no real expectations. It's all about creativity and, enjoy- and personal enjoyment. I think that's probably one of the reasons why it is as successful as what it is. Wow. So th- this is what it's like to be in a band in 2021, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also, I'd have to say, I have to give a shout out to K-Scope Records because they enabled me to bring White Moth into their family and onto their roster without actually being um, a project that has a live incarnation. So to be a to be a studio project and have the support of a, re- of a record label is fairly uncommon. Yeah, I would say, like, because if you're not going out on tour and promoting your record and selling records in that respect, there's less of an incentive for a record label to put money and invest it into your project. Right. True. But they did because they saw the potential in it. And even though we are not um, a live project, it doesn't matter. Like, like you, I mean, you look at what has happened over the last year and, and you, you witness like all these live shows that are happening from projects that can't tour. And we're now seeing this birth of new ways of reaching people. True. Like even, even with, with me and being a live streamer, reaching people over Twitch, I'm now so I'm closer to my fan base than what I have ever been. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be so close to the, to the, to the, to the people that mean the most to you from a follower perspective, because these are people that want, they're so invested in what's happening that they will um, contribute in many, many different ways to help you get to where you need to be. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's the same with white moth, you know, people love it. It doesn't matter if we go live or not, because people see and hear what is there. We have great songs, but we also have really nice visuals as well so great great music videos and we try to do as many as possible within the budget that we have each record cycle and it's it tells a story you know every album we, we, we've done has taken people on a long journey ebb and flow throughout the whole thing and that's another um strength to what we do it's it's very much about storytelling that album's coming out later this month but since you've spoken so much i think we should queue up the dreamer which is an excellent track and then talk more stuck here as the night is creeping
All right, and that was White Moth, Black Butterfly with The Dreamer. We've been talking to Dan Tompkins uh, from Tesseract primarily, and that's how uh, a lot of people know you. So I must ask you at this point, because it's been a couple of years since uh, Tesseract uh, released Sonder, and I was just kind of jogging my memory since I saw you live last also year in India. So how are things in the Tesseract uh, camp? We're doing really good. I think we're the most optimistic we've ever been. Um, during the lockdown, the lockdowns, we managed to do um, a really successful live show, which incorporated cinematic elements. And we managed to do things with lighting and production that we've never had the opportunity to do. And that was a real wake up call for us. And it's given us a lot of inspiration, a lot of motivation to do more things like that. But conceptually, I think the next album is going to be, um, it's going to be solid. I mean, normally when we write albums, I wouldn't necessarily say that there is a, a solid concept in mind. It kind of, it grows throughout the process and it becomes something at the point where the album is finished. And then we start to talk about, what songs can fit into what concept and a concept is a holistic concept is born at that point is we've never actually started an album with a concept. So this is the first time we're going to do that. And already we've got, there's so many ideas floating around for visuals and, and um, uh, yeah, just the, the, the cinematic element of what we're doing, I think is going to be quite broad sonically as well. It's going to be insane because Ackles mixing and mastering now and his songwriting is just, it has grown with him over the last 10 years and and all actually we're all contributing musically as well because we're all we've all developed our own skill set it sounds big and i'm not just saying that and trying to hype people up but if you listen to a lot of the demos in comparison to sonder it's like a smack in the face it's so huge so i'm i'm super excited I, as much as i love sonder i've got a soft spot for it i don't necessarily feel like we got the mix right on the album. We were time pressured, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people complained that the album was quite short. We understand that. But the album for me, on the other hand, even though it was fairly short, the replay factor on it was quite high, I felt. Even listening to it myself, I'd go from start to finish. I'm like, I could listen to that again. I'm not bored at this point. True. Normally when you've got a big album, I can sometimes turn it off by song seven because I've had enough. Do you, know, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So in some ways, it was quite nice to kind of have a shorter album. But like I say, the mix wasn't quite right for me. Vocally, I was actually ill. I was. I had a. I had a chest infection. Um, you can hear the nasality in my voice. I kicked myself so hard because I was. I was. You know, there were to put it into some perspective. During the last few weeks of recording, I was so ill that there was only um a, maybe a one hour window every day where my voice was free enough in order to actually record some, something that was recordable. I was I had to go through a, process, a daily process of wake up early, eat well, hydrate, steam my voice, um, relax, get enough sleep. And then I would warm up for a long time just to have this small window where I could record what I needed to record. So time, talk about time pressure. And I can feel that when I listen to the record, but people loved it. And this is the weird thing. Artists <laughs> all the time, but everyone loved it. And it's, if you look on Spotify, it is actually one of the most popular Tesseract albums, regardless of whether people love one, whether people have altered state or Polaris. It bemuses me because like the mix is nothing compared to what we've done on previous albums, but yet maybe that's just the growth of the band. 
I, I agree because I remember having a similar chat with uh, J- your guitarist, James Montier, and he had a very similar thing where he was like not too happy and felt it was rushed. And I was like, but this is like the heaviest we've heard Tesseract in years. So I think for fans, that was like, wow, uh, something really exciting. You know, I, having- I had a hard time with my voice, you know, um, when I, on the first record one, I didn't really know how to sing. I busted a gut. I just, I blew my voice out on tour, couldn't sing. But when I, after that record, I went away and I studied and I, I practiced my heart out and I slowly started to redesign my voice throughout that process. So when I became, um, when I returned back to, to Tesseract, because I obviously left them after the first album, Altered State happened. Ash left, then I re- I returned. At that point, I was not interested in screaming because I was still building my voice. So that's why the album is full of vocals. It's just full of singing. Yeah. Um, and it's very different to what I did on one. I started to, in- I've grown a lot. And I saw on Sonder, which was the follow-up album, I started to scream a little bit more because I was, I, once, I'd, once I'd fully got a hold of the singing voice and I was in a good position, I'd built a strong foundation then I've started to scream again. <laughs> now it's even more interesting because I think the next record is going to have some seriously heavy moments and I'm going to be able to pull it off live, which is the most important thing. I think far too often people in the studio give way too much, go so hard in the studio, but they don't realize how it's going to impact the live performances. And for Tesseract, we are a, we are a good live band. You know, we, we, we know we are and we try to be and we want the music to be to sound as good as it what, as what it does on the record live. So for me to be able to sing a lot of this stuff live is, is, is important to me. There are a lot of people that say, well, it doesn't matter. Go all out in the studio because music lasts a lifetime. And there's an element that I, I, I get that and I understand, but I've never been fully prepared for that. Now I am. So that's why I'm, I'm excited about the next Tesseract record. I think it's going to be the best, the best yet. Awesome. So let me put you on the spot probably for the last time uh, on this episode. When can we hear new music from Tesseract? We're still working on it. What's, what's the date today? The days just blend into days. I've got no yeah. idea. So uh, it's the 9th of May. Yeah. Okay. I would say that it will be next year. All right. Fair enough. Still got, a, still got a long way to go, but we're not going to rush this time. We're going to take our time and it's going to be something that we're very proud of and very very happy with that's the most important thing i think awesome awesome so i think that's a great way uh, to leave all our listeners it's been great as always uh, chatting with you uh, dan thanks so much again for joining us on this special episode of peaceful of metal which is in support of the india covid 19 fundraiser awesome do the thing yeah. you know what to do thanks so much again So that was Dan Tompkins for you. Now, before I end this episode, if you have a band that you would like to recommend we get as guests on an upcoming episode, or you're a band that's listening to this and wants to be featured on the podcast, as always, hit us up at honsuppod.com or you can just hit us up on Twitter where at honsuppod. You can follow Animesh at asmodeannie only on Twitter. I'm Trent Crusher on Instagram and Twitter. Until next week, horns up everyone.